I think that earlier in the lockdown, a lot of folks were ecstatic to go home and work remote. And I think that as uh, you know, as we have evolved in this in this pandemic, there are more and more employees that recognize that their productivity may not be the same at home. So uh, mm-hmm. what we're seeing is that the need for childcare, while earlier in this process it was it, it was. Um, Uh, somewhat conservative, what we're seeing now is that the demand is returning uh, to the market. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. To subscribe, go to getlatka.com. When you subscribe, you won't hear ads like this one. You'll get the full interviews. Right now, you're only hearing partial interviews. And you'll get interviews three weeks earlier from founders, thinkers, and people I find interesting. Like Eric Wan, 18 months before he took Zoom public. We got to grow faster. Minimum is 100% over the past several years. Or bootstrap founders like Vivek of Question Pro. When I started the company, it was not cool to raise. Or Looker CEO Frank Bean before Google acquired his company for $2.6 billion. We want to see a real pervasive data culture, and then the rest flows behind that. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. There, you'll find a private RSS feed that you can add to your favorite podcast listening tool, along with other subscriber-only content. Now look, I never want money to be the reason you can't listen to episodes. On the checkout page, you'll see an option to request free access. I grant 100% of those requests, no questions asked. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Alessandra Lazama. She is the founder of a company called Tutris. It's a service provider that helps working parents access and secure affordable, quality childcare in real time. The company is available online or by mobile app and provides search by location, schedule, budget, and specific program distinctions, along with virtual tour capabilities, enrollment, and pay-as-you-go payment processing. Alessandra, you ready to take us to the top? Absolutely. Thank you for having me here today. You bet. So first off, on the show, we usually feature exclusively SaaS founders, software as a service. You are applying software to something, but it's really a productized service. Would you agree? Well, it's a SaaS product in and of itself, except for we have the back end as well. So we have an operations team that helps enable uh, placements when parents and or providers are not connecting based on their requirements. But ultimately, this is 100% a SaaS application uh, that is also accessible by mobile app. That's great. And are parents the ones paying or childcare providers? Neither. Isn't that a beautiful thing? It's 100%. Well, what we do is we work with employers to incorporate childcare as a benefit solutions. So employers pay us a fee, a subscription fee, so that we can incorporate uh, a search based on the requirements of their workforce and ensure that we have inventory uh, ready for placement of those children. Okay, so what does an average employer pay you for that service? Nineteen ninety-seven dollars a month per participating employee. So, and how a, many employees participate on average per company? Um, you know, the surveys typically come in at about forty percent participation, and that's primarily because we're focused on the zero to five age group. However, uh, due to the pandemic and based on this remote learning. 
uh, I'll call it opportunities for uh, children to stay home and uh, go to school. What we found is that learning hubs is a solution that we could extend to parents through extended childcare for school-aged children. So I guess um, bridging the gap currently through COVID-19, we're not only supporting zero to five age groups, but also school-aged children. So Alessandra, the question I was getting at is how many seats or employees is the average company paying you for? Well, that would depend, right, on the size of the company. So a hundred. Well, that's why I'm asking the average. Uh, all right. So on average, 60, 60 uh, seats per organization. Okay. So this is sort of breaching middle market, potentially pushing sort of enterprise. This isn't for a small company with 10 people that have two people that need childcare. This is for any organization that has a need for it, to be honest, because there aren't any minimum required seats. And currently, we are an early stage organization. So we've recently launched to market, actually, when uh, the first uh, ordered, uh, um, uh, you know, the, the lockdown in March, that's when we came out to market. So uh, we have exponentially grown the, the scope of our services and the delivery of our services through the pandemic. And we're, we're really scaling up in terms of the size organization that's adopting our solutions. So how many unique employers now pay you for your service for one seat or a thousand? Um, uh, if I had to just throw a, a dart, I would say around a hundred. Okay. Wait, why do you have to throw a dart? I remember when I first found my first SaaS company, I was looking at new customers every single day. I knew the number like the back of my hand. I knew their families, their personalities, everything. Yeah, well, it, it's, uh, it's a great problem to have because we're onboarding every day, all day long. And because we're also providing non-standard care and 24-hour care and, uh, you know, weekend care. So um, we're, we're adding uh, subscriptions all day long. Okay, but you think about 100 employers right now, and on average, one employer signs up for about 60 seats. Correct. That would be on average, right? So we, we have it all over the map. You ask for an average, that would be that would be the average. So 100 companies times 60 seats on average would mean you feel you've got about 6,000 paid seats on your platform currently at, at 20 bucks on average per month. Correct. Which would be about $120,000 a month in revenue. Correct. So you've gone from nothing to $120,000 a month in revenue over the past 12 months. Now, granted, this is all yes. And so these are subscriptions that will activate over time. That means that as soon as the parent is active in our in our platform, they will start paying for that subscription. They don't start paying for the subscription in advance. So they this is an on-demand platform, which is a beautiful type of solution for our employers because they can stretch like an accordion, right? So they can they can uh, drop seats, they can add seats as those are are uh, warranted. Yeah, the flexibility is important. So how many paid seats would you say you then have today? I think we just did the math, didn't we, Nathan? I think you just said, though, that they're not all onboarded. Correct. They, they would be. So, so how many are onboarded? Probably half that. Okay, got it. So you're signing up with an employer for maybe they'll say, hey, Alessandra, we love the tool. We've got 30 that we need it for right now, but we'll maybe scale up to 60 over 12 months. They'll sign a contract for 60, but only pay for 30 seats until they onboard the full 60. As they, they are using the service. Correct. Got it. Got it. Got it. Fair enough. So you've got about 100 employers 
with 30 seats onboarded on average today. So you're doing more like $50,000, $60,000 a month in revenue. Still super impressive. Nothing to that in a short amount of time. Correct. And and the commitment, though, that we have and the, the forecast that we have is that while employers come in through a survey that is a needs analysis, it can always scale to higher uh, requirements, right? COVID-19 has thrown a, a wrench into every aspect of, of the business and employers don't really know how to ascertain that as they're trying to recall their employees back to the office when, when needed and or to the different activities. And, and important to note is that I think that earlier in the lockdown, a lot of folks were ecstatic to go home and work remote. And I think that as, uh, you know, as we have evolved in this in this pandemic, there are more and more employees that recognize that their productivity may not be the same at home. So uh, mm-hmm. what we're seeing is that the need for childcare, while earlier in this process, it was it, it was um uh, somewhat conservative, what we're seeing now is that the demand is returning uh, to the market. And that's that's also good for the providers because a lot of the providers lost their uh, enrollments, right? A lot of parents pulled out their children not knowing uh, what was best. We've all had that dreaded experience where we're trying to rush and log into our email one last time before moving on to our next task and we get hit with the dreaded password verification screen. It's super, has a lot of friction, nobody likes it. The challenge is the tech leaders and security leaders at these companies need easy to use but secure logins. Nobody wants to be the next big data breach. The solution to this and what identity champions are using is Ping Identity at pingidentity.com. It enables companies and customers to manage this effectively for not only their employees logging into internal applications, but also end customers and users who need easy to use logins that are safe and secure. If you're looking to become a champion of identity, go to pingidentity.com today to test it out. Again, that's pingidentity.com. If you operate in a state like California, providers right now are not allowed to operate. You can't have people in a physical space. That's what not value true. Are you? That's not true. Childcare I'm providers in- have the ability to operate and stay open and take in children. There are CDC recommendations and there's guidelines that have been uh, published, right, by uh, licensing by uh, the Department of Social Services. That, that add layers of scrutiny to uh, hygiene and to the protocols, right? Uh, the, the, the social distancing and, and that. But providers are allowed to be open. Let me rephrase the question. There's a lot of parents that will not send their kids to a provider because the risk of that child picking up COVID in an asymptomatic way with 10 other kids at that same provider, even if they have all the precautions following, and then that child coming home and getting the parents sick is too high. They'd rather be more unproductive at work and keep their children home. How are, I mean, are you seeing that as a trend? And if so, how do you sort of pivot so that doesn't impact your business model in a negative way? Well, I think that education has a lot to do with it and transparency of uh, safety protocols. When we bring a provider under the tutris scope of services and into our network, we have a relationship with that provider. So we have an ops team that vets the provider, has conversations with the provider, and we have an internal process by which we also qualify their protocols. And in this case, the safety and and the, um, uh, you know, the CDC recommended protocol. So if you go on our site, for example, and run a search for COVID uh, safe 
programs, you'll see some that are tagged, right? They have a tag right on their uh, profile to uh, to disclose the protocols that they are following. And I think that that adds some sense of, um, uh, you know, peace of mind, if you will, for parents. What geographies do you cover right now? All of California with a high emphasis in San Diego because our proof of concept was San Diego. And this is where we had the most interaction with providers. So we have the entire uh, scope of uh, of California lit. When we say lit, that means that we have uploaded uh, the database of licensed providers. We are engaging with them to build the relationship and to verify them. We have Mm -hmm. a category in Tutors, which is verified or unverified provider. And the verified provider goes through that that uh, workflow that I was uh, referring to here. I just did a search in LA. Um, where do I find who's verified that you that you have a relationship with? So you would see the category when you click on their profile. You would see verified or unverified. If you go to if you go to the easier search, which is why I said uh, the emphasis has been in San Diego. We this is where we ha- we ran our proof of of uh, model, and this is where we've started. We're headquartered in San Diego, so where we have the most base of verified providers would be in San Diego, which would be a better okay. search for you to see. I see. I see. Okay. Got it. So, I mean, how challenging is that for you to scale sort of in the U S I mean, I imagine it's a lot of work to scale these providers. I think maybe what you've done is you've legally, obviously scraped a bunch of these sites from a database, put them in your software, but then you have to actually reach out and build a real relationship with them to start getting reviews, verify them, et cetera. Correct. And that that's absolutely true and correct. And there's two ways in which we do that. We could do that proactively, which means literally dialing for dollars, right? So we have a team of people that can dial for dollars. Uh, but we also do it through a very um, you know proactive and aggressive, if you will, marketing campaign. Uh, we have a, an extraordinary team that uh, has put, put in place a digital uh, marketing strategy that reaches out through many Facebook channels where uh, these these groups of, of providers uh, share pra- best practices and things like that. So we're reaching out to them and kind of like Yelp, where you get an invitation to claim your own profile and come in and, and validate all of the information that we have we reach out to them as well. So uh, both proactively and and reactively or organically, we are creating that validation and that verification. Mm-hmm. Again, we are an early stage company. And so our first market was San Diego. And we've just recently um, turned up anything north of San Diego. So what you see there, the database, to your point, this is this is all publicly available information, all the licensed programs that we have in, in California and, and with the exception of some, because we also do filters uh, for um, sanctions on, on the records of these providers. So we will we will place that filter first and then uh, set aside that group of providers because those do need to to be um, uh, handled in a in a you know kind of different workflow to ensure that we're only incorporating quality uh, providers and we're taking it to the next step. We're also looking at uh, uh, you know higher level credentials because our viewpoint is that childcare should be an early childhood education process with uh, play as as you learn type curriculums and so we are uh, partnering with many different organizations like NAYC and others to ensure that our providers are um, you know are, are living up to the uh, higher level of education uh, standard. 
Mm-hmm. Alessandra, before we wrap up, um, obviously the ultimate metric for you is how many kids do you have going through your system to daycare so their parents can focus at home and the child keeps learning and developing. You know, we're recording here on Tuesday. Yesterday on Monday, how many children went to childcare because they're paying you to help them do that? Um, that that's a tricky question. I'll say that we've helped 600 children since COVID started, not all which have paid to be connected with a provider. I see. And the reason so for that is, you- right. And, and the reason for that is we're a free platform. So in the end, our revenue model is to incorporate employers so that they in turn can bring in childcare as a service uh, under their benefits platform. And for us, adoption is the name of the game. This is a gig economy as, as you and I both understand it. And for us, it, uh, the, you know, the problem that we're trying to solve is to increase the inventory of childcare uh, slots or quality childcare because we have a severe deficit. Be- prior to COVID, we were at about 44% deficit in San Diego alone, very close, um, mm-hmm. you know, statewide. And so for us, adoption is key. And through the, the initial stages of COVID, we weren't out there selling to employers. We were actually making the platform available to parents and uh, providers so that they could connect. So a lot of those enrollments connections happen without us having a subscription-based agreement with employers that we're looking to bring in that service as a benefit, if that makes any sense. It does, Alessandra. Let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, favorite business book? Oh, uh, strategic selling. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Um, is there a CEO that I follow? Hmm, interesting. Um, not particularly, to be honest. No problem. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building the company? Um, Salesforce. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? At least six and a half. I try eight, but I don't always get to eight. And what's your situation, Alessandra? Married, single, kiddos? I am single by design. Single by, I love that. No kids running around? Uh, I have a, I have a son, 20-year-old, so uh, okay. he's a USC student and hating life because he's home. So he's living, uh, he's uh, not living the dream right now, but he's learning how to navigate tough times. All right. And last question, what's something you wish you knew when you were 20? That I knew, oh, uh, that uh, no one can hold me back. And it doesn't matter what anybody thinks outside of your circle of love and those that, that uh, actually impact your life. Guys, Tutris.com, helping employers help their employees find appropriate child care so they can be more productive, especially when they're working from home. They've helped 600 children so far today, launched in San Diego, scaling, currently serving about 100 customers. Those customers are, again, our employers using them. Hopefully, each of those scaling up on average to about 60 seats, representing employers, again, employees that need uh, child care services. Alessandra, thanks for taking us to the top. Thank you so much for having me.